Hey, everybody, this is Brian Dodd, co-host of the Pursuit of Service podcast, welcoming you to this, uh, this episode. And this is just a great conversation between uh, Jeff and myself. It's on the subject of culture. And culture is one of these buzzwords that's in our society at the moment. Uh, what, what is a healthy culture? What makes up a healthy culture? Why are some cultures successful and other cultures fail? What's the role of leadership in that? Jeff and I unpack all of those questions, and we're really going to add some value to, to you today. You're going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, before getting to us, I do want to spotlight uh, one of the many people that's very integral into the success of this podcast, and his name is Robert Carnes. And if you don't know Robert Carnes, you need to. Uh, Robert is a multimedia communicator. He's a book writer. He has worked with organizations such as Orange. He's a blogger, and he's written a great book called The Original Storyteller. And uh, that's a book about Jesus and, and Jesus' ability to craft and tell stories. And Robert's a, Robert's a subject matter expert on the art of communication and the art of storytelling. You need to check him out. His website is jamrobcar.com. So I think uh, Robert's full name is probably James Robert Carnes. It's the first three letters of his each of those names, J-A-M-R-O-B-C-A-R.com. That's also his Twitter handle. Make sure you uh, reach out to him on Twitter. But uh, he did some great website work for us, uh, getting this podcast, you know, basically designed in such a way that you can access it easy on the web. And we could not be where we are without Robert. And he's a dear friend and he's an expert at communication, incredibly skilled, and you should reach out and follow him. So with that being said, uh, it's now time to jump into my conversation with Jeff as we talk about the subject of culture. Wherever you're at, get you out a pen and paper, get your phone out, take notes on your phone. If you're in your car, pull over. We're about to help you today because successful organizations have successful cultures and you're about to get better today. So listen in and thanks for joining us. Hey, Brian, how's it going? I'm good, Jeff. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm really excited uh, today to talk about culture. Uh, this is something that you and I have discussed and, and you're really passionate about. So I think for over the next few minutes, I'm just going to sort of pick your brain. I know you've done a lot of study and reading and writing into the concept of culture and, and its constructs. So if it's all right with you, let's dive right into uh, your thoughts there and, and I'll help support you. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really good. I, I Yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm very excited and passionate about the study of culture. I've actually been really doing deep dives into that subject matter for really about the last 18 to 24 months and have kind of developed some uh, materials and tools around it. Uh, really thinking about writing my next book on the topic as well. And so overall, I'm just fascinated. You know, you hear the phrase all the time, they've got a great culture, they've got a bad culture. Uh, why do the Patriots and Alabama football and Clemson football have such a great culture, uh, you know, and some other team doesn't, you know, what are those, what are those intricate pieces? What's the day-to-day -day activities? 
what type of people are involved. I mean, what sets aside and what differentiates a good culture from a bad culture is, yeah, something I'm, I'm fascinated by just from a subject matter, but have also come to the belief that really the difference between a successful and unsuccessful organization, be it a church, business, athletic organization, nonprofit, educational entity, is, is culture. And so, yeah, very excited about the topic today. Yeah, and it's so impactful because not only does it tend to influence, if not determine, the success of the organization, but also the quality of life that those, you know, that are a part of the organization and the culture influences how enjoyable the day-to-day work is. It influences how motivated and inspired and bought into uh, the mission of the organization. So it's, it's really impactful. And so I'm excited to talk about this because it's so important. And uh, to the listeners, we will provide some of the resources and get into that a little bit more specifically later. But let's just start at the top. Brian, what's your definition of culture? Yeah, there's a lot of definitions out there. Here's mine. Culture is the collective character, competence, and creativity within your organization that drives day-to-day behavior and results. Hmm. And I have come to that definition, like I said, after over a year of study, every word in that definition means something. Um, You do need all three. You You need the collective character. You need the competence. We, we can break down these individual components, the creativity. And here's the thing. Like you just said, going to work every day, it does drive day-to-day behavior. It does drive the environmental reality of your organization. But here's the deal, and here's something I've actually attached to my definition of culture is results. If you don't have good results, you likely don't have a good culture. So results and the quality of culture are intricately related to each other. It's, it's actually the measurement and the outflow of the collectives that I mentioned earlier. That's great. You probably won't find a more thorough definition of culture. I would simply just add, uh, it's also the values, personalities, and actions that set the tone of an organization. So yeah. they, when I think about culture, I think about what's the tone, what's the overall feeling, and hopefully it's a forward-moving, collaborative uh, tone that pushes the team forward. Um, But I I tend to think of tone. Okay, very good. Yeah, you know, tone is definitely embedded into that, and we will definitely get to that here in just a moment. So So what are the ingredients of a healthy culture? Okay, so I kind of mentioned them earlier, the character, the competence, and the creativity. So um, let me just hit these at a very high level. First is, is competence. That's the skills, talents, and abilities. And I want to frame it this way. A healthy culture is made up of healthy people. So a growing, vibrant culture is made up of growing, vibrant people. So the personal growth and the quality of people within the organization cannot be separated from the actual culture itself. Steve Robinson, who is the chief marketing officer at Chick-fil-A, um, he, I had him come and talk to a group of business leaders once that I put together and he was going through some of Chick-fil-A's culture. And he said, I remember this phrase, he goes, you hire culture. Did you hear what I said? You hire culture. And, uh, so, you know, the skills, talents, and abilities, and 
when I think of that, just a handful of things off the top of my head, the, the training that takes place in the organization, the development of the people, the communication skills, the listening skills, the emotional intelligence, uh, you know, I, I focus on wisdom more than smarts or intelligence when I'm looking for people. And we can talk about that. How do you handle failure? Do you celebrate failure? How do you learn from failure? And just like you said, the daily habits of the organization. Creativity. Creativity. Um, I, I do not think creativity is skinny jeans, ripped jeans, a low V-neck, scarf, messed up hair. That, that is style. I think creativity is directly tied towards the ability to find solutions that result in creation. You cannot have creativity without creation. And so I think you're looking at energy management, problem solving skills, you know, what type of questions are being asked in your organization? What's the risk tolerance of your organization? You know, the options, how are you building options? And is there a focus on, on creation as part of creativity? Because uh, you can't have activity without accomplishment and you can't have movement without progress. And then third is just character. These are the type of people who can accomplish things that require competence and creativity. And I think, you know, when you look at that, you're talking about a person's faith, their overall purpose, which is their mission, their vision, their core values. And obviously on a corporate level, you have the same thing, trust, generosity, the compassion meter within a person or an organization, discipline, and then emotional intelligence or chemistry. So I think when you really unpack all the components that make up a culture within an organization, um, it's very complex, uh, but I break it down into those three buckets. But that's what I think are the components of a successful and a healthy culture. That's phenomenal. I'm, I'm going to add to it a little bit. And I'm going to start with one of the ones that you mentioned. Uh, yeah. But I think one cornerstone of a successful and healthy culture is trust. There's always going to be um, conflict and there's always going to be uncertainty and there's always going to be challenges. But all of those things are really enabled and scaled with trust. In other words, we can have all the competence and, and skills and creativity in the world, but if we don't trust each other, then that's not going to be a successful culture from, from a quality of life perspective, like we said earlier, or neither from a success of the organization. Um, related, I would say respect is a cornerstone. Again, just like you got to trust someone and you choose to trust somebody first, um, showing the respect for them is also there. Um, and that goes to one of my kind of core personal philosophies of uh, just pursuing service and being service minded, um, servant leadership kind of focused. In other words, if you're a part of a team or, or an organization where you know that everybody else is looking out for everybody else in the team, it's going to be a lot easier to sacrifice. It's going to be a lot easier to, to work and it's going to be a lot easier to get along and collaborate. Then the last one I would say is just clarity, clarity of goals, clarity of vision and clarity of those values. Uh, if you ask somebody what the culture is and they can't answer succinctly and quickly, then there's no clarity. And then there's really no culture there, at least not as defined as you want to, because culture, I think, is intentional. Uh, or, or I think culture happens regardless, but it needs to be crafted intentionally because an accidental culture is not a healthy one.
Oh, that's excellent. You know, you said so many things there that are just kind of challenging my thoughts in a good way. I wonder if everybody who's listening to this right now, um, and Jeff, you and I know each other from church. If we walked into an elders meeting and looked at all the elders and said, write down our culture, how many different answers would we get? If you're a business person, you walk into your office or you get on your Zoom link, ask everybody to write it down. I wonder how many different answers you would get. So I wonder how many people out there are actually developing culture simply by default rather than design. Yeah, it's a healthy exercise. I mean, just ask ask yourself, what's my culture? What's my company culture? What's my team culture? And uh, if that's if you have a little uh, crunch of tension there because you're not quite sure succinctly, then it yeah. needs to be worked on. And that's something that Urban Meyer says is that it, you, you don't just say it, you live it. Um, and if you don't know it, then it's not there. Yeah. So I want to ask you another follow-up question, conflict. So from your perspective, how do you develop trust out of conflict? Well, I hope that you develop trust before conflict because okay. then through conflict, it can be sort of bolstered and this goes back to why culture up front is so important because trust as a concept if you think about it really should be given first you know i know they say trust is earned but if you're new to a team and you're new to uh, an organization or a mission or an endeavor you almost have to choose to be trusting and respectful and all those things first mm -hmm. um, which admittedly puts us in a state of vulnerability but if you wait until someone does something to completely earn your trust, it'll be too long. Right. You choose the trust first. And then when that trust is there, the conflict will then reveal it. Yeah. You know, I, uh, when I hire people and add people to my team or, you know, in, in my volunteer roles, we add, we add a person to the team to, to serve alongside of us. I'm kind of with you, Jeff. Maybe I'm a glass half full person or Pollyannic or whatever phrase you want to use. But but trust is given because that's who we are as an organization. And I trust my hiring process and I trust my enlistment process and I trust my onboarding process that untrustworthy people will get filtered out on the front end. And therefore, we have a trusting culture, a trusting organization, and you're naturally trusted because you've been embedded and engrafted into the culture. And I hate to say it, it's almost like a you have to prove me wrong. And then you operate under the heading that nobody's perfect and we all make mistakes. And if we have open communication, like you mentioned earlier, manage conflict well, you're right. Trust can even be, you know, further embedded. Uh, during times of conflict. Yeah, well said. What is the most important aspect of culture? Yeah, I think the most important aspect is character. Uh, if you made me pick one, now once again, there are three and they're all woven together. But I think bad character, you know, untrustworthiness, disloyalty, you know, I heard uh, John Maxwell, I mean, this phrase now is 30 years old, but loyalty does not make you a leader, but disloyalty disqualifies you from being a leader. Um, you know, people who are not generous, you know, they're greedy, people that, you know, are tell lies, you know, there's falsehoods there, you can't trust their word, 
they miss goals, they miss deadlines on a continual basis. You know, they're untrustworthy in terms of projects. They don't hold up their end of the bargain. Um, you know, some of those things I mentioned were skills. But here's the thing, and you and I have talked about this. We've talked about it on previous podcasts, but I'll, I'll bring it up again. We spend so much time on skills, talents, and abilities, and we don't focus an equal amount of time on developing our character. And then what happens, your skills, talents, and abilities take you to a place your character cannot sustain you. Um, so I'd say if you made me pick one, without a doubt, I'd pick character every time. Yeah, and just as a almost anecdotal example of how impactful that is for those listening when brian was describing someone that you know may not be trustworthy or misses deadlines or is unreliable you had a feeling in the pit of your stomach like when you hear about someone like that you may think of someone that you've come across but you you just feel you can feel what that's like to having work with someone you you can then in turn imagine the impact that that would have on a team and on a culture. Um, so let's talk about what we can do and let's let's get a little bit practical here. Um, so the first question in terms of really making this applicable, Brian, is who's responsible for the culture anyways? How do you okay. how do you figure that out? All right. So this is this is one of these hard truths that everyone must capture. Once again, regardless of your organization, profit, nonprofit, religious, educational, athletic. Culture is the, is, the, is the length and shadow and width of a single individual known as the leader. So for instance, let me just take a very practical one. We've got a lazy office staff, okay? No one around here works hard. So let's just take that as an example. Hmm. People are a picture of the leader. To me, when I hear that statement, that's a culture issue because I'm betting and where I will start my investigation and my diagnostic of that, of that environment and that culture is I can guarantee you the leader is lazy. If everybody's late for meetings, the leader is, is probably late for meetings. Maybe not that specific meeting, but other meetings with other people. Uh, if you've got a organization where people are cutting corners, I guarantee you the leader's cutting corners. You know, but here's the thing. When you look at healthy organizations, let's, let's just take Chick-fil-A. Is there anybody who does not think that if Truett Cathy, if you went to his house, you would not be treated almost exactly like you were treated when you go into a Chick-fil-A restaurant? Chick-fil-A yep. is the physical embodiment of Truett Cathy. The Alabama football team is the physical embodiment of Nick Saban. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you could go into other areas and other mediums. Uh, but the reality, you know, you look at certain churches, you know, uh, North Star Church is the physical embodiment of Mike Lynch. Piedmont Church is the physical embodiment of Ike Riker. So the most important aspect and where does culture begin and end is with the leader. And if something is wrong with a culture, you have to begin with the leader in terms of finding solutions to that problem. Yeah, that's tremendous. And in, in other words, uh, culture is basically a reflection of the leader or the leader's personality. And that's why servant leadership and specifically leading by example is so important because the example that a leader sets either supports the culture that they've defined or it completely undermines it. 
And you if they what? undermine it, they're it's going to actually define the culture as it is anyway. Yeah. You know, one of the things, Jeff, you say that leading by example that I've kind of landed on in the last year, leaders are leading by example, whether they want to or not. Absolutely. And if, if there's, if they're setting a poor example, they're going to have a poor culture. Yeah. So one of the responsibilities of positional leadership is you are leading by example. So the question then becomes what example do you want to set? Absolutely. And ultimately, this is why we have good cultures and bad cultures. We have good leaders and bad leaders. And uh, hopefully the takeaway there is that we can all improve. All is not lost if we identify that as the source, um, even if it's ourselves, if we look inwardly and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm the proponent of a difficult culture because I'm the leader of this culture, we can do something about it. Well, and that goes back to character. Do you have the humility to self-examine and realize that you're not the perfect version of yourself until you get to heaven and that you've always got work you need to do and there's always things you need to improve on? And do you have a continual attitude of personal growth? Because if you do, that will filter through the organization and you'll develop a culture of personal growth throughout your organization. But that begins with the character trait of humility. Well said. And so let's get into how we uh, can either influence or um, exist and excel in the context of culture. Uh, the first is, how do we turn around a bad culture? And then I want to add something to it, because not all of us and all the listeners may be in a specific leader leadership position where as the leader, they can turn the culture. Um, so if someone's not the leader of a culture or, or of an organization where the culture is, is not ideal, how can they exist or influence or endure through it okay. if it's difficult? There's a, there's a statement that came from the 13th century, okay? And whoever this person was in the 13th century just had an incredible amount of wisdom and insight. He said, when I was young, I was smart and thought I could change the world. But when I was older, I was wise and knew I had to change myself. So the first thing someone must do in terms of changing the culture is changing themselves. And I would focus on those three areas, your character, your competence, or your creativity. And then you need to begin to change yourself. And over time, as you change yourself, then you might can manage upward, manage laterally. And if, if you are in a leadership position, you know, manage people who are quote unquote below you on the org chart, even though they're not below you. And I hope we all know that. Um, but yes, if you're looking, if I want to change my culture, if somebody takes me to lunch, Brian, I want to change my culture. Talk to me about it. I'm going to ask for a general overview of the culture. I'm going to ask in who's in leadership. And then I'm going to say, tell me about you. And then I'm going to get to the point that as we begin to talk through them, I'm going to say, you may or may not be able to change them. You may not be able to change a broad base of people, but self-leadership and changing yourself is something you can begin to do when we get up from this table. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And it's applicable to absolutely everybody. So you may be the leader of a team and you can do that and you can improve the culture. You may be a team, mem a team member on a great team 
where you can do just that. Look at yourself, self-improve, focus on those three things, and you're going to contribute to that culture. You may be the leader or a member on a team with a bad culture, and no matter what, you can focus on yourself with those three things, um, which is essentially at the core, you said self-leadership and then leading by example. You can set the example even if you're not the leader, and that will in turn influence from within the culture. may not always be easy, but that's something that any of us and all of us can and should do at any time. Yeah, we, we may have a lot of people from different faith backgrounds or even no faith background listening to this right now. There's a great story in the Old Testament by a guy named Joseph. And Joseph, uh, one of my favorite parts of his story, and it's actually was a difficult part, but he was, a, he was the right-hand man to King Potiphar. Uh, and he, I mean, he was high up in the organization and Potiphar's wife was physically attracted to him. And she was very aggressive in carrying out this attraction. But Potiphar was a man of, or excuse me, Joseph was a man of great character and would not yield to her advances because of his service to the king. Well, she was spurned in her advancements and really took it personal and constructed this situation where he said Joseph tried to make advances at her. Potiphar throws him in prison. And he stayed there for quite a while, but while in prison, he never lost his character and he never got bitter and he continued to do the self-leadership and actually built a healthy, thriving culture within prison, if you can believe that. But here's the story. At a certain point when the timing was right, the next king called Joseph out of prison because he needed his help interpreting dreams. So here's the principle. The principle is this. If you do everything you can that God, with what God has given you, where you are, and you are a good steward of your, of your resources, okay, and the things you can control, then God will give you additional responsibility and more that you need to control. And so here's the thing. If you're in a bad culture, a bad organization, you become the best version of you, and God will move you out of that organization or your, or your skills, talents, and abilities, and personality, and character, and creativity will become so obvious to other people, they will recruit you out of that position. So, yeah, so their there, hope is not lost. I know we all want things instantaneously, but if you begin working on you, and you're in a bad culture, by your sheer, you will outgrow that culture and you will grow into a new culture that is healthy and is worthy of the, of the qualities that you have. That's so good. And another thing that could happen is you could wind up being the catalyst for change for that culture. Exactly. So as we pray for improvement or change or something different, or, you know, those sort of things, maybe God sent you for it. So you start here and then uh, you're the catalyst to get there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So in practice, what are some of the, the best and worst cultures that you've seen and observed? Well, for me, up close, uh, Chick-fil-A is the best culture I've seen top to bottom uh, up close. And as we discussed earlier, that is the length and shadow of a single man, Truett Cathy. And, uh, you know, I remember Steve Robinson, who wrote the incredible book called Covert Cows, which for my money is 
is the definitive work of the history of Chick-fil-A. Um, and also Truett's book, How'd You Do It, Truett, would, that would be another one. But Steve Robinson's book is just outstanding. Steve talks about how he was hired. And he, he interviewed for many months. And he had a job running marketing for Six Flags over Georgia at the time. So he's now put in an awkward situation. And uh, he kind of respectfully asked Truett one day, you know, how close are we to making a decision on whether you would like to have me join your team? And Truett leans back in his chair. He was eating a Chick-fil-A sandwich for lunch. And Truett looks at him and he goes, you know, when it comes to marketing, here's all I know. I don't want to do it. Jimmy, which is Jimmy Collins, he goes, Jimmy, Will, uh, he'll determine if you got the skills or not. I just want to know if I want to spend the next 30 years with you. Yeah. And that right there is as beautiful a picture from organizational hiring and leadership to how they do their standalone stores and hospitality to how they interact with vendors, you know, to, to their advertising, to all of that. Uh, for me, Chick-fil-A is the, um, embodiment, in my opinion, of, you know, the best culture I've seen. Um, I think, uh, you know, if you look at athletics, there's a lot of great cultures in athletics. I mean, does anybody think the New England Patriots are not the physical embodiment of Bill Belichick? You know, um, does anybody think Alabama is not the embodiment of Nick Saban and Ohio State was the embodiment of Urban Meyer and you know, you could just go through a myriad of, of things, uh, but there are some bad uh, cultures as well that sometimes succeed in spite of themselves, but the success is not long-term. That's kind of like the interview that, that I had the privilege of doing recently, which was the last podcast, my interview with Jeff Perlman, when he looked at the Shaq Kobe Phil Lakers, Phil Jackson, that sometimes your, your talent your competence, your creativity will take you to a level of success, but the breakdown in character of that organization only allowed the success to be about three years in terms of championship, you know, uh, championships won. So yeah, uh, that long winded answer to Chick-fil-A is the best culture I've ever seen. So that's good. Yeah. And a couple that I've seen on the, on the good and bad, um, probably obvious for those that know me, but when I served um, in the 75th Ranger Regiment, just the company uh, that I was in um, really radiated um, excellence and professionalism. Um, and the commander at the time uh, was, was one of those that uh, just embodied all these things that we were talking about character, um, competency, uh, trust, respect, empowerment with accountability. Um, and, and in that environment, there is a great deal of trust, um, which really fueled a high performing, fast paced, and not always easy culture and environment. And then on the other side, I was on a small team several years ago um, in business, uh, a five person team where uh, it was just sort of a at times a poisonous culture of distrust between the team members and their intentions, um, trust in, you know, how the leader was going to fuel and mentor, uh, the, the teammates and things like that. And again, I, I always go back to trust because once that's lost, it all sort of deteriorates. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
you know, it, it's funny as we kind of go through all these things that's required uh, to build a healthy culture. It is so difficult to lead right now for a myriad of reasons. And yeah. here's what I think the number one reason that you have unhealthy cultures is if you go with that premise, which I do, that a culture is the, the, the length and shadow and the embodiment of a single individual, many leaders don't know who they are. And that's why if they hire somebody with a strong personality or something like that, and they say, you need to do this. Okay, well, we'll shift to do that. But then a customer says this, well, we'll shift to do that. And they don't handle conflict well because they're not solid on their core values and their mission and vision as an organization. And they're, they're just blown by the wind and it creates this, you know, institutional instability that just makes culture impossible to create. And ultimately what you get by default is an unstable culture. That's probably personality driven and things of that nature. But a leader must be absolutely locked in both personally and corporately that this is who we are. This is what we're about. This is how we determine success. This is how we get there. This is how we treat customers. This is how we treat employees. This is how we get to the results that we, we get to. This is how we handle failure. These are the type of people that we bring onto our team. We're very clear in terms of how we onboard. We're very clear in terms of feedback and what we don't put up with. I think one of the reasons many organizations fail is the leader is simply not crystal clear in their mind on what they want their organization to look like and then have the fortitude to live that out on a day-to-day -day basis and hold people accountable for that standard. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. And so one of the things that we want for the readers or the listeners, sorry, is uh, to be able to take some of this and apply it. So Brian, describe some of the uh, supplements that we're going to put in the show notes for folks to download. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is just kind of build out uh, that competence, character, and creativity matrix and just give you some questions to answer under each of those and just some recommended next steps if you're missing in any of those areas. So that, that's the first thing. The second thing is, is this, a personal growth strategy. Because here's, here's the, I, and we've talked about it, but I believe it to my core. When a leader gets better, everybody gets better. The organization gets better, the team gets better, the people around you get better. So every leader has to have a personal growth strategy. So this competence, creativity, and character, yes, it is a corporate culture picture, but individually, we need to be growing in our competence, our creativity, and our character. So there is some corporate questions to answer, but there's also some individual questions to answer, and you need to be growing in all three. Excellent. We hope that there's opportunities here to learn and to apply. Speaking of learning, uh, we like to talk about things that we're reading and, and listening to and learning about and pursuing. So Brian, what have you been learning about recently? Hey, can I throw in one other thing real quick and then I'll get to the what, are, what am I learning? Yeah, sure. Competence, creativity, and, and character. What happens if you're missing one of the three? They all break down. All right, so here's, here's, here's how I break it down, okay? If you have competence and creativity, but you lack character, in other words, you're smart, you know how to do your job, uh, 
You know, you, you can figure out solutions to the issues that you face on a daily basis, but, but you're just not the type of individual that you're going to have long-term success. I call that competency plus creativity minus character equals craft. In other words, you're, you're good at your job. You're a craftsman, but you need coaching, particularly in the area of emotional intelligence and being the type of person who can have sustainable leadership. If you have competence, you can do the job, okay? You have character, you're a good solid person that this organization can build around, uh, but uh, you lack, um, I'm sorry. So you have competence and character, but you lack creativity. In other words, that's the figuring out how to get things done, working towards solutions. That's a chore. You're smart, you're a good person, but you just don't put in the extra. That's a chore, you need passion, okay? If you have creativity and character, in other words, you're a good person and you want to do a great job, you wanna serve people well, you wanna figure it out, you just don't know how, you lack competence. I call that commitment. The person who's committed needs training. But if you got all three, you're competent, you know what you're doing, you got character, which means you're the type of person that can provide sustained long-term leadership and benefit to the organization. And you're creative. You're continually trying to figure things out. You're pivoting. I call that a calling. And what you need is just more opportunity. I'd say hire you a good marketing team and get as much opportunity as you can because you're the type of person and you're the type of organization that can really make a significant impact in society. So you either need opportunity, coaching, training, passion. And if you miss two out of the three, then uh, I call that chaos. And you're probably on the wrong bus. And you may want to find a new team that's less chaotic. That's so, great. All right. So what am I learning? I give my good friend of the John Maxwell organization credit for this. He's come up with this phrase. He goes, in 2020, we, we all learned the beautiful phrase pivot, okay? So we all have spent, at the time of this recording, seven months pivoting on what seems like a daily basis. So in 2020, we were pivoting, but in 2021, we need to move to progress. So what I am learning right now is to take all the pivots that were done in 2020 and leverage them that, okay, we've pivoted for survival and we've pivoted to, to, to stem the tide and things of that nature. It's time for progress. And all the things that we've learned and all the things that we've picked up and all the new skills we've acquired and we've all become you know, Zoom, you know, Zoom ninjas and things like that. It's now time to take all of that, 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 that the pivot has afforded us and move to progress in 2021. Phenomenal. Pivot. And uh, bonus, bonus. Go yeah. on. Jason Stoughton, pivot to progress. Phenomenal. And bonus, bonus uh, for the listeners. Uh, I have a recording of Brian giving a teaching, uh, a Bible study teaching on just that concept uh, from pivoting to progress. So if you're interested in hearing that Bible study, uh, reach out to us on social media when you see this episode uh, posted, uh, and we'll get that to you. Yeah, that's out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, 
Uh, I think there's four types of people that God wants us to become in 2020. And uh, that, that was a fun lesson to do. I appreciate you asking me to do that. And yeah, I'd love to get that into as many hands as possible. Yeah, and uh, it's phenomenal. So uh, reach out and we'll get it to you. All right. So what are you learning, Jeff? What I've been learning, I've started this book here, and this is kind of a fundamental focus uh, that I think is always important to go back to from time to time. Um, And you and I have a mutual friend, Mike Lynch, the pastor at North Star Church. And I was having lunch with him recently. And he said, you got to check out this book, Spiritual Leadership. uh, And it is by Henry Blackaby, isn't it? That's right. And yeah, Henry and Richard Blackaby. Yep. Um, and it's foundational and it's thorough and it's analytical on leadership as a concept, um, using examples from famous leaders, everything from uh, skills to experiences to life influences and growth and all those things. But at the core, spiritual leadership, and they define it some, something like this. They say um, that leadership is influence to accomplish the leader's agenda, where a spiritual leadership is influence to accomplish God's agenda. That's very good. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, like I said, very foundational. Um, and it's great. So I'm, I'm still early in the book, but, uh, I love it so far. And so it just makes me think about, okay, we spent a lot of time, uh, you know, leadership focused type people spend a lot of time on, um, you know, influence and skills and improving the leadership. And you and I have talked about, uh, you know, improving leadership and improving the leader, which is the character. And this is sort of that third and deeper layer of even that, um, because we can work on the leadership, we can improve the leader or the character. And then this gets down to the purpose. One layer even below that, which is, hey, am I trying to accomplish my agenda or our Heavenly Father's? Yeah, I, I, I think that's such a, that is such a transformational concept um, I'd also like to, to take that concept and apply it to, to other areas. For instance, uh, I'm, I'm in sales. I learned long ago that whenever I do a sales presentation, I'll walk in and I'll look at the leader and I'll say, what would give, what could I do that would add the most value to your team? What are the issues that they're facing? What are the challenges that they're up against? What solutions are they looking for? And I will, and I will talk about how we can best serve you in all of those areas. Um, In marriage, if you outserve your, your partner, you're, if both of you have that attitude, husbands and wives, you're going to have a very successful marriage. If you're trying to outserve, Um, you know, when I get called into a meeting at church, I could literally step into a meeting, turn on the fire hose and just let it go, you know, but I'm like, Hey, you've invited me into the room. What can I do to help, help you and help this team accomplish everything God's already doing? What can I be? How can I be an accelerant that helps you get to the next level? I'm not here to advance my own agenda. I'm here to help you advance your agenda. And that goes back to what Blackaby said that, Spiritual leadership is not us advancing our agenda. God's got an agenda. How can we be part of that story and advance what God's doing here on earth? Absolutely. Very good. Very good. 
Thanks everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation on culture. Uh, and we will post the, the, um, materials that Brian described into the show notes. So download and get them apply. And uh, don't forget serve others, not as a task, but as a purpose, because that will lead to success. Oh,